This week's episode of Quality Control is brought to you in part by That's It Bars. I brought That's It Bars into the house a couple of months ago, and so far my girls have really been enjoying them. I've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, and I don't know if, if you're aware, but it's challenging to find the right snacks for classrooms these days. You can't bring in peanuts, certainly not candy or anything like that. And That's It Fruit Bars meet the needs, and just like I said, my kids love them. Let me tell you about about these bars though. They're gluten-free, they're kosher, they're vegan, and they're raw diet friendly. They're great for getting in one full serving of vegetables every day. They're under 100 calories, they're super delicious, and they've got zero fat. Every age, diet, and lifestyle can enjoy That's It. Now, That's It is offering our listeners an amazing deal. If you go to that'sitfruit.com and enter our code CONTROL at checkout, you're going to be able to save 10% off that order. Do what we did and try these new veggie bars. I think you're going to like them. Again, go to that'sitfruit.com. Enter our code CONTROL at checkout to save 10% off your order. Your taste buds and your body will thank you. My guest today is Ross Miller. My name is Charlie Hall. You're listening to Polygons quality control. Good morning, Ross. How are you? Good morning, Charlie. I'm doing well. How are you? Not too shabby. It is a bright Tuesday morning here in uh, in Polygon time. You folks at home are probably listening to this <laughs> on Wednesday when the embargo breaks on the SNES Classic, which you have been playing with, Ross. First off, I believe it is officially the SNES Classic. I believe Nintendo's Twitter account made that very clear when they put a NES on the SNES. Really? Oh my yeah, yeah, they 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 kept that meme going. Well, I'm know. I'm a Genesis kid, so I'll I'll call it what I like. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but what? Tell me in a nutshell, what is for folks who might have been under a rock for the last like year and a half? What's the SNES Classic? The SNES Classic. Got it. You're right. I can't do that shit. Uh, the SNES Classic is basically Nintendo's console in a box time capsule that encompasses kind of what they see as like the best lineup uh, of the Super Nintendo kind of re-releasing it as a smaller version, approximately one-seventh the size of the Super Nintendo. Uh, it just looks like a tiny version of the old console that you plug in, and you get a collection of, I guess, what, I think it's about 21 of the classic games, including Mario World, Mario World 2, Mega Man, um, Kirby's Dream Course. Not necessarily a classic, but hey, it's it's there. <laughs> which which would be the appropriate Kirby, in your opinion? You know, I think Kirby Superstar, which is on there. Um, and I do love both games. It's just... I look at Kirby Dream Course. I was like, "Oh, that was a that was a, a fun experiment." Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a really great lineup. Um, and because, of course, this is a review, uh, I had to play through every single game start to finish, including all the sixty to seventy hour RPGs. You know, let's not worry about time dilation here. It's it's been a long weekend. Oh my god! Okay, no, I all right. Play that all, all that much at all. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought I had it bad with. Uh... Uh, Total War Warhammer 2. I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, 
So give me a quick tour of this thing, though. So you take it out of the box. It's this tiny, tiny little thing. Like you said, one-seventh the size of the original console. Like, what are the buttons? What's in the back of the thing? How's it going to connect my TV? Okay, so first let me walk you through from packaging on down. Because the packaging itself, honestly, I was kind of giddy about the box. The box, you know, feels like the original Super Nintendo box itself, only smaller. Uh, You lift up the flap, it actually says, now you're playing with power. You know, the old catchphrase. Uh, and once you get out of it, you've got two classic Super Nintendo controllers, which, as far as I can tell, are perfect recreations, down to the clickiness of the original SNES gamepad. Game oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I love that part. You've got that. You've got a smaller version of the SNES console. Obviously, the cartridge flap doesn't work anymore, but, you know, more or less everything else the same. Instead of the front uh, controller ports, it's actually a flap you pull down, and you've got the same kind of port that the Wii remote has for extension, same thing the NES Classic used. And that's kind of how you're plugging in the, the new controllers. That's the only discernible difference, really, between the new and old SNES controllers. Uh, well, that's interesting. Can you plug the NES Classic controllers into the SNES device? So, you know, I have not tried that yet. I'm actually going to try that later today. But I was reading a report from a few other outlets that have the console. And it turns out, yes, it seems to work kind of interchangeably. I mean, obviously, most games, you need, a much, you need more buttons. But my understanding is you can use the SNES controller for your NES Classic if you're one of the lucky people that managed to get both somehow. Well, that's a, that's a different conversation entirely. We'll get into the supply constraints in a minute. But I assume this is an HDMI device as well. It is an HDMI. On the back, uh, you now just have a single HDMI out port and then a micro USB in, which you use just to power the console. Oh, okay. So I could actually like power it off my laptop or... It seems like it. Yeah, I have a couple of low-voltage USB power outlets I use to like charge phones and whatnot, and it seems to work just fine. How interesting. I'm imagining at some point in the future heading to E3, I'm going to see somebody on an airplane with their computer <laughs> and then a dongle of an SNES Classic just attached to it playing games. I, I mean, if their computer has like an HDMI in, that is perfect. I would highly recommend that. So when the NES Classic came out, I was not one of the half dozen people who managed to run one down. So I actually set my mind to converting a Raspberry Pi into an emulator. And so I got to tell you that it was... It was one of the more frustrating and fruitless things that I've ever tried to do. It just, you know, it's it was this jack of all trades. I must have had thirty different consoles on this little <laughs> Raspberry Pi, and and none of them played very well. So, what is the interface like, and what is it like to find a game and get into a game? Because that was the big complaint I had with my little Raspberry Pi thing. Yeah, so I will give uh, Nintendo a lot of credit and a lot of. Uh, a lot of just a lot of frustration um, that I have over the menu system. So, on face value, the inter- user interface is actually really great. You turn it on, you basically get a a sliding horizontal collection of all the games that you would want to play on here. Uh, you can organize it by title, by release date. You can organize it whether it's uh, two player games or one player games, which is really nice. Um, and it's a pretty clean interface. So you just do that. You press up you get different display options. You can either do a CRT filter, which actually looks really good, up to a very sharp, uh, perf- like what's called pixel perfect mode. You scroll all the way down. Each game has a collection of suspend points, so you can actually, instead of just having to save within like the normal console save space, you can literally just do, as most simulators do, a single frame save point. You can just come back to the exact moment. Um, they have a collection of save points. Are these preset? 
save points, or can I say, all right, 15 minutes, 13 seconds into game X, I want to Yeah, save. sorry, that's actually, that's, uh, let me rephrase, that's my bad. Um, it is like, yeah, so it's a, basically you're playing the game, and at some point, if you just want to pause, you can actually just create a suspend point where you are. Oh, that's awesome. You can have four of those, and here's the part that actually is really cool. So that's kind of what the NES Classic did as well. What the SNES does now Okay, fine. What the Super NES does now, uh, it actually lets you, it seems like, rewind up to about a minute of gameplay. So you can go to a, any suspend point, and you can just literally rewind the whole game about a minute back. And you can use that to kind of, like, let's say you just, like, you're at a very hard boss, and you didn't want to go all the way back to the actual save point. You can just literally rewind 30 seconds and play that part again. We were using it the other night in Donkey Kong Country, playing one of the, the minecart levels, and we were just down to the last life, and I was like, I don't... I don't want to, like, play through this again. So we just tried the rewind feature. It worked. It worked really well. Uh, so that that's all the great part. Here's the part that gets a little frustrating, and it's to get back to the menu from a game, to get to the point where you can look at your suspense, to get to the point where you can change titles, you actually have to hit the reset button on the console itself. Oh, man. Uh, like when I said, like, the Super Nintendo controller is a perfect recreation, uh, it is and for some, like, there's one of the big faults is there's no home button. There's no way you can use a hotkey or some button combination to get back to the menu. Um, you basically have to get off your ass, find the little console box, and push the reset button. Which, and here's the other part that's kind of frustrating, shouldn't be hard because the SNES controller is, of course, wired, and you only get about four and a half feet, maybe a little more than four and a half feet, of cord. Of all the things to chintz out on, the length of the cord, <laughs> really? I mean, it is longer than the NES Classic cord, but it still has this weird thing where it's like, okay, I don't have that long of an HDMI cable for my TV. I don't have that long of a USB cable to plug this in and charge. I'm kind of like basically constricted to I'm getting, I'm sitting back on the floor as if I am like, again, like a five-year-old looking up at a really big TV um, trying to play these old games. I'm sure that's nostalgic for some people. I'm sure someone's going to write this very beautiful piece about how that just put them back in a moment, but... Charlie, I'm I'm an old man now. It just hurts my neck. I hear you, man. I'm six and a half feet tall. I don't do floors. Oh, geez. Yeah. No, no not I'm... cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So here's the here's a little pet peeve I've got about stuff that's powered by micro USB. They never give you a stinking power adapter. Do they do they give you a power jack for this thing? Can I plug it into the wall? They do. Okay. They absolutely do. They give you a Nintendo branded USB to power plug. Okay, good. So like, everything is that you need is out of the box. Nintendo full credit. You get in this, you plug in a couple things, hit the power button, you are good to go. Like, these frustrating things about having to hit the reset button, it is annoying, but credit to Nintendo, it is a super simple interface once you get into it, and it's really just meant to, like, pick a game, play for a while, and then, I don't know, just walk away, just save, always come back later. Well, also, the price point on this thing is remarkable, and I want to talk about that a little bit. But first, a quick word from this week's sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to go to post your job and find the best candidates? Polygon's hiring right now. We're hiring both for video and for writing talent, and it's it's a very challenging exercise. With ZipRecruiter, you can post a job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Their powerful technology is then gonna go to work on your behalf, efficiently matching the right people to your job. And they're gonna do it better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. In fact, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through that site 
within one day. No junkly emails or calls to your office. You just screen them, rate them, and manage them all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified candidates with immediate results. Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com control. That's ZipRecruiter.com control. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com control. And thanks again to ZipRecruiter for sponsoring this week's episode of Quality Control. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. So I know that we're not going to have enough of these things in stores uh, come this holiday. It's going to be a shit show to try and track one of these things down for everybody involved, whether you pre-ordered one or not. But once you finally get to the counter with the box, how much do these things cost? Uh, It's going to cost you, uh, for North America, $80. Um, But again, you're getting... And you mentioned earlier, like, it was such a pain to, like, create your Raspberry Pi. You do get 21 games, and the emulation that I've seen so far is perfect. Like, it just feels fully, like, a fully perfect recreation of, like, the classic games. I will gladly pay someone $80 for just a couple of games. Honest to God, the, the trying to put a, a Pi emulator together was just such a nightmare. Um, and, but to have it done at the right speed, at the right rate, and to have these little luxury features, in my opinion, the rewind, the save points, that's a really good value. So, so Ross, why the hell can't they make enough of these things? <laughs> I, I wish I could tell you. I, I you know, it's... I, someone much smarter than me will write a piece about this, but I think like Nintendo has always been plagued by supply constraints, be it the Switch, uh, be it the NES Classic, which I think is known more for its scarcity than it actually is people who have played it. Um, it is coming back, though. I, I don't know. I think I think part of it is Nintendo just being a little more careful with supply. I think part of it might be who knows. But for whatever reason, Nintendo has always been plagued by supply issues. They've clearly shown with NES Classic they're bringing more back next year. Hopefully they'll do the same for the SNES Classic. Hopefully they'll create more. It seems like they've acknowledged that they do need to make more this time than they did last time. I mean, we'll we'll see. Pre-orders have been out for a while, and when it comes out Friday, I think it's just going to have to see how the rest of the year goes. But what, what really confuses me about the entire scarcity thing is I'm looking at my Facebook, my local Facebook marketplace right now, and there's two of them. One's on sale for 250 bucks, and the other's on <laughs> sale for $400. Wow. People, people will pay for these things. Why don't they just charge more for them? And I don't know, <laughs> put that money back into making more. I honestly, I, I have no idea. I, a, a logical man, a logical human being would say, yes, let's just make more, charge more, and make more money. It's That's not Nintendo's like modus operandi nintendo's always been kind of more close to the chest with the supply especially like in the last many years i i wish i could tell you there maybe miyamoto was just playing darts one day i was like you know what the new game is supply and demand and we are all gonna lose it well now there's one thing on this device that we really haven't talked about very much oh yes i'm excited and to talk this about this is a brand new never before released game what what is hidden and what is on this thing that nobody's played before Roz? oh my god this is okay so this i i legitimately love this game and i cannot explain it in many ways uh star fox 2 the never before released sequel 
is on all the Super Nintendo Classics, regardless of region. Uh, when you actually turn on the, this for the first time, it's actually gift-wrapped in the menu. You have to play through World 1-1 of Star Fox before they'll let you even try the sequel. They wanna, want you to prove that you have some understanding of the, the world itself. Um, but it's wild because Star Fox 2 is so unlike any other Star Fox game, or at least very unlike the Star Fox game on Super Nintendo. Um, it's a game, I guess this is after Bargo's so talk about, it's a game that you can literally beat in about 10 to 15 minutes, and your first reaction is, wait, is that it? And then your second reaction, when you get a, go- you get a score, you get a grade based on how well you played that 15-minute game, and you just kind of curse yourself, like, how dare I only get, like, a D grade? And you just jump right back in. Um, to kind of make a step back and understand why I'm always frustrated... It's a game that kind of plays out in somewhat real time. You're basically given a map of a star system. You've got, you know, obviously the boss Andros is sending all these like armies at your home planet, and you're basically sent out to try to one. You can kind of defend the fighters and missiles that come toward the planet. Two, you can destroy the carriers. Three, you can kind of save some of these planets. But the choices you make kind of happen in real time, and the rest of the world plays out as you're in these missions or as you're traveling to these missions. So a lot of it's trying to like figure out. Can I let my home planet get hit a few times? Do I block everything? Do I try to beat the game in like under what seems like a hundred seconds of game time? Um, and so you're constantly kind of juggling between this as you go between the main world and these basically two different kind of action games. One, uh, a very first-person space fighter. Uh, first-person R wing is just very weird and trippy to me. Uh, kind of. Well, you're in the cockpit. you're in the cockpit, and it's kind of free roaming. You're not on the rails in these in some of these parts. Uh, so huh, that's okay. one of the modes when you're doing space combat. And then otherwise, when you're on the ground, you can do the classic third-person R-Wing, but a lot of the times you'd rather just switch to the tank and have a little more mobility. And the tank mode is a lot of fun. Um, this game is really weird. It's very ambitious. I, I, I could see... I, I, understand, I fully understand why Nintendo didn't release it because it's very weird. It's very ambitious. It takes a lot to explain. Um, and it's also like it pushes graphics as hard as I could see in the 3D and it doesn't always work. Um, so it's one of those things I look at, I'm like, this is a great experiment. And it definitely at no point would have hit Nintendo's like level of quality for the time. How interesting. But, but start to finish, I want to make sure we're clear on this. Start to finish, the game begins and it ends. It's 15 minutes long? It's give or take, I think, 15 to 20. I think every time I played, I was like, I mean, I would watch this and I'd put like an episode of Netflix on the background. I'd be... F- finished with one before the episode was over. That's so interesting. Now I want to play this. It was great. Like, acad- it's one, like, academically, I love this game. And I do, I'm going to keep going back and trying to get a better and better rank because I just want to, like, basically master what is, like, what feels like a very simple kind of, like, battle scenario that you're kind of planning out. Now, I've seen some of the screens. I know that you, we put up a video of the game earlier this week on Polygon. Um, what are the characters and, and what are your options for flying planes or, or coordinating with the AI? Uh, so your options, you basically have, you get to choose two characters from the onset. And I, as far as I can tell, I've not seen the other player, I haven't noticed the other character flying alongside with me. It's more of a, you get to swap them in and out. Because every time you do a battle, you're going to lose shields, you may lose some special items. Your other character is unfazed, so you kind of switch out to kind of retain some health the whole, the whole time. Um, and you've got Fox, you've got... You know, you've got Falco, you've got Peppy, you know, you've got, you've got the main cast, and you also have two new characters that might have been in future Star Wars Fox games. I don't remember them. Um, but it's just a cast of characters. The only difference really is some of them have special moves like bombs, some of them have special moves like healing. And otherwise, it's 
a pretty you know, it's a pretty inconsequential cosmetic difference and one that you don't see beyond like the menu system. So, of course, this was a device, I believe, that was provided to Polygon uh, by Nintendo for editorial purposes, right? Yes. Have you won the lottery, so to speak, and, and gotten a pre-order somewhere? Will you be? Will you have one of these under the Christmas tree this year? No, no. I was I was literally traveling when I think a lot of the pre-orders went live. Uh, so it was one of those things where I was like, I wasn't checking my phone. I might have been on a flight or something, and I landed, and I was like, well, there goes my chance. Um, this is a review unit that was a retail unit that was provided by Nintendo. Uh, as soon as this review is over, I'm going to keep it at the Polygon office. Um, you know, kind of walk by it lovingly, maybe pet it. Hope to God I can find one on Friday. But my guess is this is my only chance I'm going to get to enjoy the Super Nintendo Classic. What are folks' best strategy to getting one of these for themselves? Whew. Um, I honestly, uh, you're asking the wrong person. I think. There may be a little bit of line waiting. I tend to just check Amazon obsessively, Walmart. Uh, there's a couple of good Twitter accounts. Obviously, I think Wire64 was really good about tracking when the pre-orders went live. Um, I don't like. I don't want to sound like fatalist, but if you don't have a pre-order now, there's no guarantee you'll find one later. Uh, I mean, that's how it was with NES Classic. So, good luck. Call up your Walmart. Call up your GameStop. Call up your, I don't know, Kmart, Tesco. See what's up. Well, back to the pie for me. I'm going to try and see if I can pick up a different emulator, something a little slimmer. I don't think I need a 3DO emulator in there as well as a SNES and an NES and an Intellivision. Just try and get it down to the bare bones emulator packagers if you could and, and, and let me know where the good ones are. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time, Ross. I know you get a busy day and, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Charlie, thanks for having me. It's been great. And thank you for joining us today here on Polygon's Quality Control. We've got a lot of good stories up at the website, polygon.com. But until we've got another game to talk about, this is Charlie Hall for Ross Miller. Thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.